Hello and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon and its ecosystem. I am your host and Axonic developer advocate, Sarah Tori. Today I will be talking about aggregates with Allard Bowser. I hope you enjoyed this talk and let's have a listen. Hi Allard, how are you? Hi Sarah, I'm, uh, I'm good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you again for joining me to talk all about aggregates. So um, before we uh, start diving into the details of an aggregate, uh, let's talk briefly about uh, where do they fit in within the grand scheme of designing an application. Yeah, so typically uh, aggregates are, are a DDD concept and they, uh, when we look at uh, CQRS-based applications, they particularly have a big role in the command model. So the, the idea of CQRS is that you split the application into roughly two parts, one for commands and one part for, uh, for queries. And, and aggregates are an extremely important building block in that uh, command side of, uh, of the application. Uh, right. That's where you'll, you'll find most, if not even all, of your, uh, your aggregates residing. Although the, um, the, the strict definition of, of aggregates will also give it a place in, in projections, but it's not as, uh, as dominant. So typically, mm-hmm. when we talk about aggregates in the context of, of DDD, uh, uh, sorry, in, of, in the context of CQRS, then uh, we, we typically mean the command handling uh, side of, uh, of an application. Gotcha. And so um, at a later time, I will talk about uh, event storming and event modeling and all of those wonderful concepts. But you mentioned command model. Can you go a little bit deeper in that? Yeah, so the, um, the, the command model is basically the, the structure of, let's say, information and logic inside an mm-hmm. application that is designed to, as efficiently as possible, uh, take in any instructions from, for example, users, or they could be external systems, but instructions mm-hmm. for your applications to process. So uh, a user clicks a button, for example, and um, he was he was given some information on a screen and has to choose and has to submit some other information based on that, has to take an action. So basically that user will instruct the system to take an action. Mm-hmm. Now the system needs to um, to make decisions on the, on that action, decide, okay, are you allowed to do that? Is this an appropriate time and, and, uh, and state of a system to, to actually do that, right? Did something else right. prevent this from happening? Or, um, and if everything is allowed, it should decide, okay, then what is the result of this action? Uh, mm-hmm. The result could be that, you know, your, uh, your, your uh, loan application has been approved or uh, right. a, a money transfer has been uh, initiated or mm-hmm. uh, there, something happened. and. Um, and typically in, in, in CQRS, uh, in the CQRS context, the aggregates will emit these events. So as you right. notice, I said, well, a loan uh, application was approved. Well, that's an event, right? Something happened. Yeah. And, and typically they will emit those events to, to notify other components that this, uh, this actually happened. Sure. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, the state of that model has changed because mm-hmm. you cannot approve a loan application again or maybe you cannot reject it anymore, you cannot modify it anymore. So every action that's there has influence on, on the next action, on the next possible outcome of, of these commands. And that's what, what you design the model for. So 
basically you're not trying to solve all of the problems of your application in just random places, but you organize right. logic into uh, components uh, mm -hmm. where, where an aggregate is one of the possible uh, types of components that you can use. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. an, it's, it's the most important one in that command model. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. And you mentioned the definition of an aggregate. So generally speaking, just in English language, uh, the, the definition for an aggregate would be um, a whole that's formed by several separate elements. In domain-driven design, more or less the same thing. Um, I do want to sort of uh, go into the definition that um, Eric Evans gives in the Blue Book because uh, it's it's a really good definition, but not all of the points are super clear. So can we sort of go through that definition a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the, the definition in the Blue Book definitely goes a bit deeper than just uh, mm -hmm. let's say it's a as you said it's a whole formed by. You know, individual elements, because in the end, that's what it is, right? Is an right. aggregate is uh, there's a uh, there's a group of of individual components that acts as a whole, um, especially with regards to data changes, right? So yeah. that means that from the outside, we cannot, even though there's multiple components that all take individual actions and have individual modifications. From the outside, we cannot see that. From the outside, right. we will never see that an aggregate is actually composed of these multiple elements that mm -hmm. each take a small part in 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 whatever we call a change, right? right. So when we approve a loan, or um, uh, I don't know why I came up with that example, but um, <laughs> then then probably that approval process is not uh, will will have influence on different parts of that model, right? There's different mm -hmm. parts within that aggregate that, uh, that need to be modified, uh, which together we call approved. We never right. see a loan as half approved. Sure. Yeah, we, we approve the first part of your loan, but not the second part. Well, that doesn't happen, right? If, you're, yeah. if you have a loan that consists of multiple parts, it's either fully approved or it's fully rejected. Exactly. So, so that's one aspect of it. So from the outside, we cannot observe, let's say, the, the state halfway, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's one, yeah. one aspect. So that's, that's the one unit. Then the definition also talks about a um, an aggregate root and and holding references to an aggregate, right. and this is when when you look at uh, how to implement an aggregate. Well, we are all well, stuck, quote unquote, with uh, object oriented programming, right? So we exactly. need classes and we need uh, instances of those classes. Mm -hmm. um, so we we need one of these classes to represent. The, uh, the aggregate as a whole to the outside world and make sure that whatever decisions we make on the inside and whatever information we show to the outside uh, is always uh, safe, right? So right. we need one class that takes that prime responsibility. And that's the one we call the root. And the reason why you're only allowed to, um, to connect to that root is anything else than the, the aggregate root. So that one class that we've defined as, as the, uh, the, the gatekeeper of, of state, mm -hmm. right. anything else can change, right? Yeah. Anything else that, that, that uh, root object can decide to, uh, to remove a, uh, a part of that loan and replace it by another mm -hmm. object. If we had a reference to that part of the loan, it would be now an invalid reference, right? It's exactly. like, uh, if you remember your car by the actual uh, wheel that's on it, well, don't yeah. change your tires, right? Because you'll lose your car. Well, that's mm -hmm. not... Uh, not going to make sense. So yeah. uh, that's important to, to keep that reference. 
and and reference is somewhat an abstract uh, term here. It's it means when you when you have an identifier for your aggregate, it's the the aggregate root that uh, that is given. Uh, that it's that identifier, but it also means yeah. uh, class references, object references. If you if you have an object oriented language, um, so so that aggregate root is a very important uh, uh, has an important role. And it's mm -hmm. typically just the, there, there's always, when you look at an aggregate, there's always one object there that has the same name as the aggregate roots. So if you look right. at order and order lines, we talk mm -hmm. about an order. Yep. So there's a class order, there's a class order line, but we call the whole thing an order. And, and that is already a hint that the order class, that is our aggregate roots. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Very often the roots and the aggregate have the same name and that might make it confusing sometimes, but if you just realize that in the when we when we open a little Pandora's box and we see <laughs> the individual elements, then we know it's a root and there's entities, and otherwise it's just uh, the whole box. It's just the uh, the aggregates. And I'm actually glad that you brought that up because uh, within that definition that we just talked about, um, he mentions that the aggregate is the cluster of entities and value objects, um, and it's defined uh, uh, by a boundary, right, that comes around it. So um, we. You talked a little bit about the aggregate root, and it have uh, it has an identifier, uh, and that's why we say that aggregate root has to be an entity as opposed to a value object. Can you define value object and entity also, just in case some yeah, of the so listeners the, may not know that? Yeah, the, the main difference is that um, entities have a conceptual identity, mm -hmm. and their their attributes, the attributes of that entity don't um, define the entity, but they describe the current state. And that state might evolve, but while it evolves, we still recognize that entity as the same thing. Mm -hmm. right? So in, in human interaction, we, you can change attributes. You can, you can wear a hat. You can wear, start wearing a scarf uh, in the middle of summer. Um, <laughs> but it will, it will still be you. Right, because sure. our the in human interaction, we uh, it's not the attributes that make the the person; it's it's mm -hmm. the identity that makes the, the person. And without right. coming too philosophical here, but um, and it's it's the same in in uh, in programming with with entities. So an entity can change attributes, and it will still be recognized as the same, and vice versa. You can also have two entities that have the same attributes. But we still consider them different instances. They're still different ones, right? They they mm -hmm. just happen to be similar right now, but they may evolve in a different way. Uh, that's mm -hmm. why we see them as two different things. Mm -hmm. So they are they are stateful, if you will. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, when it comes to value objects, value objects do not have a conceptual identity. They are just uh, they're immutable, um, and they. Um, they have attributes, and the attributes define the value object. There's nothing else. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So, in uh, again, in human interaction or in in, in daily life, uh, right. money is a value object, right? Mm -hmm. It has an attribute, which is a currency and an evaluation, right. and uh, or denomination, and and that's it. That's the that's the value. And if we have a bill of ten euros and another bill of ten euros, then we have two of the same bills, and we can swap them around, and nobody cares. You can then right. go to somebody and say, "Here's a ten euro bill," and he gives you two five euro bills. It's the same. There's no, you didn't, you don't feel like you've lost your bill, right? It, there's no conceptual identity to that bill anymore. It's just a, mm -hmm. the value of, of the thing. And that is mm -hmm. a very powerful concept because in math, basically everything is a value object and it allows yeah. you to do a lot of interesting mathematical aspects 
So they both have their, their pros, but in, uh, in aggregates, since aggregates are about change of data, it means mm -hmm. that the aggregate root must always be an entity, but then mm -hmm. within the aggregate boundaries, we can have uh, certain value objects uh, because gotcha. it allows us to do mathematical computations more easily. Uh, we all mm -hmm. know from the, the different discussions that uh, you have, um, uh, immutable state is a very powerful concept. Uh, especially when it comes to managing complexity of, of mathematical uh, um, type operations. Right. And so that's that's great. There is another part of the uh, set <laughs> definition in the blue book that I was not quite sure about uh, that I wanted to sort of read through it and maybe dissect it a little bit more. Um, he also mentions that if uh, we have to, within the aggregate, define properties and invariants uh, as a whole and give enforcement responsibility to the root or some designated framework mechanism. So how would you go about that? <laughs> let's yeah, let's so talk a little what, bit more about that. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Um, uh, so the, um, well, the invariance that he speaks about is mainly that um, uh, the, the consistency boundary. When, when I started talking about aggregates, I said mm -hmm. there's, there's a couple of changes that may occur within an aggregate, but from the outside, we cannot see them. Right. That's that's where he's talking about. So even though there's, uh, so let's let's talk about a, um, a a loan application. Let's say we're we're applying for a loan, and that mm -hmm. loan consists of three parts. Right. right. Uh, there's a bit of mortgage and a bit of this, a bit of that, and you want the whole application to be treated as a single thing. Right. That right. let's assume that's important. Exactly. Now, when we approve a loan, that probably means we need to approve every single. Um, item under item. that loan right every sure. uh, but from the outside we don't we don't see that so we will never be able to observe a situation from the outside where a loan was approved but one of the individual items in the loan was not mm -hmm. um, and of course if we just build plain objects and don't have any consistency boundaries or or one of these mechanisms that that the definition talks about then we can see that right there's yeah. a there's a possibility where we can observe this group of objects in this halfway state. Mm -hmm. So we need um, the, the root to enforce that. And basically, it enforces that, oh, yeah, uh, doing this operation uh, implies those operations over there. Um, but still, that will not prevent that mechanism from um, or that state from being visible. So mm -hmm. probably you need some framework mechanisms such as locking, right? Making sure that a call is blocked while uh, while reading, or we keep a mechanism where we say, well, when you read, you still see the old version because we are in the process of building the new version of that state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's different ways uh, to uh, to design around that, mm -hmm. uh, and they um, well, typically one one of the thing Axon, for example, does is when you try to access an aggregate concurrently. Well, conceptually, yeah. you cannot do that. Conceptually, it has to be one invocation after the other because otherwise you can observe this halfway state. Right. Um, so we use, uh, well, we use different mechanisms, but one of them is locking, right? One of the options that you have is, is locking. And we just say one uh, execution will go after the other so that mm -hmm. we will never execute on a halfway state. We'll always yes. either execute on the start state or at the end state, but nothing anywhere, nowhere in between. Yeah. And that's really important. So there's this, there's basically rules in an aggregate that says uh, that that it, um, there's there's a number of transitions you can have, mm -hmm. and even though a single transition might internally consist of a number of steps, 
we will never ever observe those midway steps. Those little steps. And that's exactly. uh, that's the uh, the invariance essentially. Makes sense. Yeah, very good. Um, so we are talking about some examples of aggregates, and you mentioned the example of uh, of a loan or maybe a car. There was an ex- actual um, example that we uh, talked about. Um, it, or he talks about it rather in the blue book that was the example of a car. Um, and you actually touched on a little bit with the wheels. You know, if, if you change the wheels um, of the car, it's still within the boundary of the car. So that car can be your aggregate. Um, and then we kind of uh, talk a little bit about uh, another aspect of uh, an, another aggregate that you can actually take out of the car, like an engine, because an engine itself can be an aggregate because you care about the, um, that specific engine, for for instance, in a car, if you need to uh, repair the engine or the uh, change the engine, the identifier of the engine is important. Therefore, the engine can actually be an aggregate outside of uh, the car aggregate. Um, so those I thought were really interesting examples of of aggregates because depending on again we go back to that notion of how, uh, what kind of problem we're trying to solve. The aggregate can change, and you can make it broader looking at broader looking at a higher level or you can make it a little bit more uh, detailed looking at a little bit more specific uh, depending on what we're trying to achieve you had an example a while ago we talked about it uh, and that was the example of a ticket sale at a movie theater can you talk about that a little bit because that was really interesting to me because it, it helped me look at an aggregate in a little bit a different way yeah so um there, it started with a with a challenge that uh, a company once uh, once set out, and uh, they um, um, they allowed people to submit you know solutions to that uh, to that challenge. Uh, we uh, we we didn't manage to get it done within the deadline because we had other priorities, but still we we discussed our solution with the with the people from that company. And basically, the 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 challenge they had is: imagine you need to sell tickets to a large. Um, Actually, it was a very large event uh, that they mm-hmm. typically do in stadiums, right? It could be a football okay. match. It could be, uh, I mean, sometimes there's music shows in those uh, mm-hmm. theaters. So we're talking about thousands of, of tickets, right? And uh, they are usually sold out within seconds, right? If you right. just have a popular rock band come <laughs> yeah. over, then the biggest arena is is sold out in, in, in a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you keep consistent? I mean, eventually every ticket represents a seat an actual physical seat and if you buy five tickets Mm -hmm. you don't want to be scattered around with your friends right there's you're scattered around the stadium throughout the stadium yeah exactly exactly so you you can wave at each other from opposite sides (laughs) exactly next to each other right Um, and then but then there's uh depending on the type of show there's challenges Mm -hmm. that yeah but if if two parents come with two kids you want to sit next to the kids but the kids pay a different rate than the parents exactly Right. Um, so there's different areas. So what they, um, so they, they, uh, one thing that you always need to do is you need to break the problem down, right, into smaller mm-hmm. pieces, sure. uh, because the aggregate is, as we said before, is a consistency boundary. Uh, but if you make that boundary too big, um, it basically means your um, uh, your performance will will grind to a halt. Right. So you want right. to break that down. And what they did is they. They had blocks, blocks of seats, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and if you if you look at a stadium, then obviously certain areas are, or any movie theater, certain areas are more popular than others, right? So you'll mm-hmm. have different price ranges for different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, cool. we can't nest aggregates, can we? We can't have aggregate within an aggregate. 
No, you cannot have it because um, <laughs> you cannot have two consistency boundaries. Either it's exactly. or it's not. So not if, you, if you start nesting them, then either you have a big problem because, well, if, if we look at the definition again, you can only hold references to the roots. Mm-hmm. So they can't be nested right. because there's only, exactly. then the top one is the roots. So uh, right. we'll, uh, we're, we're just faking ourselves into believing we've got many, <laughs> exactly. but then we just have the worst of, of all options. Um, so the, um, when they broke it down, they said, okay, we'll just design areas, or they call it blocks, right? You have certain yeah. blocks, and then you buy a ticket within that block, and then you're assigned a seat within that block. Because in the end, you don't care whether you're in seat 1A or 1B or 2A or 2F. or right? It's just a few meters apart, as long as you're not behind uh, whatever, I was gonna say. Uh, all the way behind. But those, <laughs> no, that would be yeah. a different block. Um, well, unless you're short like me and you just get stuck behind something. Well, then you just have to buy uh, <laughs> block one. Uh, is row one is what you uh, what you need. Um, right. Um, and depending on the show, you definitely don't want to be on the on the first row. Um, right. So the um, uh, they designed it in blocks, and then you basically buy a ticket within the block. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, then you you don't have concurrency. You just have well, a lot of requests coming in for tickets in that block, but you treat them one by one quote unquote to make sure that you can fill that efficiently but you'll mm-hmm. still have massive concurrency when it comes to the theater as a whole because you'll have different blocks and they can make their decisions in an isolated way mm-hmm. um, so basically you'll have blocks of let's say 100 seats or or a thousand seats depending on how large the the, the stadium the is yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the venue is and um, um and that way you can make sure that you have a consistent rule of okay when you buy four tickets we will assign uh, four adjacent seats in the same block, and then we'll know exactly which seats are, are available. And you can have little mm-hmm. algorithm, or algorithms for that to decide how you want to uh, to make sure that you know the children will always sit with their parents and not the next to some some random uh, people on their stranger, own, right? right. Uh, random stranger. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So that's that's uh, that's well, that was an interesting uh, scenario, and um, mm-hmm. the uh, and, and it shows that. We, we need, when it comes to designing aggregates, we need to think about the interactions. So what, what is this consistency that we want, right? We, right. What is the behavior we expect? And the, in this case, the behavior is what well, we want when we sell five tickets, we want those five people to sit together, mm-hmm. right? That's the behavior. And it's, uh, it's not because a seat is, is a, well, we, we need the seats to be, uh, um, to be sold. It doesn't mean the seat is the aggregate. Um, and it doesn't mean the stadium is the aggregate because we, we need to make sure that everybody gets in. So that we, we need to look at these, um, these, these rules and what uh, it's, it's more about the changes. What are what, the, the invariants, right? What is it that we want? What is it exactly. we, we never want happening? Well, we never mm-hmm. want a kid to be away from his parent, from parents, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. in, that, uh, in that scenario. And, and that's what drives the design of, of an aggregate much more than the, I always say that um, uh, we have this tendency to look at nouns and, and then say, oh, yeah, we have a seat and a block and a, and a stadium, right? So those are our, 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 our entities and those are our aggregates because then we can, right. be guarantee, uh, we can guarantee that we sell a seat exactly once, right? Uh, but that's not the invariant when we look at the real story and when we look exactly. at the changes. And then the seat is, is not even important. When, when selling seats... <laughs> It's not the actual seat is not even important. It's more about the the structure of the block, and then 
as a result, you, when you sell five tickets, well, then they are those five seats as a result uh, because that's, uh, that's basically what our consistency rules have, have dictated. And I think what you said, uh, the word behavior, I think is important here because we're looking at the um, business question, basically. We're looking at what is it that we're trying to achieve with this particular aggregate? Are we trying to uh, make sure that people who are buying tickets at, together as a family can sit together? Or are we just interested in selling this particular section of the stadium, for instance? So again, kind of goes back to that main question of what is it that we're trying to, what, you, you mentioned something to me a while ago, which was like the verbi nouns, right? <laughs> we're trying to... yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so aggregates are very often nouns, right? So yeah. the, uh, the block or, well, block mm-hmm. is not a, not a good example in this case, but um, the, the best aggregates are, are, are verbi words, right? So they're, <laughs> they're not actual verbs because they're, they're nouns, but there's, um, there's this concept of a, of a process in this word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an application right, is to apply for something. And, right. and the, the benefit of those aggregates is they, in their name already, they carry a process. And mm-hmm. a process has a start and an end. And it's nice right. for aggregates to also have a life cycle where they, they, have, they work towards a goal. Um, and that's, uh, if that goal has a clear end, then that's always better. Uh, right. in, in the design of a, of a process. Of course, in the example I gave earlier with the uh, stadium, you have a block. Well, they happen to call that a block, but it's about yeah. the, the selling the block, right? So sure. the process is to sell. So the while I'm always looking for verby words, mm-hmm. uh, you will not always find them, and it's not a bad right. thing for definition as long as you find the, the process in, inside mm-hmm. of what, a, what an aggregate does. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. Um, now let's talk about aggregates and event sourcing. How do aggregates relate to event sourcing? Yeah, so that's um, uh, that's actually a very important uh, important one because there's a lot of misconceptions around event sourcing, and right. so event sourcing is not about having events go from A to B, right, from one location mm-hmm. to another. Event sourcing is essentially a way of storing the state of an aggregate. So instead okay. of saying, okay, we have an aggregate and it is a, um, um, well, it could be the block in the in the stadium, right? And let's mm-hmm. say, okay, we've sold, uh, we've got 10 seats to sell in that block and we've mm-hmm. sold seats one through five. That's right. possible. Uh, so we can keep that as state. We can have uh, a, a 10, uh, let's say, little flags and we can mm-hmm. switch them on and off as these seats get sold. Right. Um but then there could be a sale in progress, right? There could be uh, somebody claimed the seats and now they have 15 minutes to actually pay for them um, because paying is still an asynchronous process. Right. So that needs to be, the payment needs to be confirmed within a certain amount of time. Otherwise, the seats are released again and then mm-hmm. any, anybody can claim them, right? So th- th- it's more complex than just having five flags. So now we're, uh, sorry, 10 flags. Now we don't have 10 flags anymore. Now we have 10 different um, options like, okay, this seat is reserved, but it's reserved for the same transaction as the seat next to it. So that mm-hmm. state gets complex, right? Right. And, and every time we overwrite it, we lose the previous state. We, we lose the fact, why is that seat, why is seat number two available while one and three are taken? Um, sure. Well, probably the history of what happened mm-hmm. can tell us that, but if we don't store mm-hmm. that, then we, we don't have that information anymore. We just mm-hmm. know the current state. 
So the thing about event sourcing is while we are emitting events typically in these systems to explain what happened, why not use those events to recalculate, uh, use those events as our only source of truth? Mm -hmm. So when we say we want to sell seed number two, what we do conceptually is look at, okay, what is the state of that, of that seed? And we look at the mm -hmm. past and say, ah, it was canceled. Oh, that's the, so yes, we, we can claim it, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, no, it's been claimed and um, the, uh, the rule says you cannot claim a seat more than once. Obviously, right. that's, uh, yeah. that's a rule. So uh, we can use that. And so event sourcing basically allows you to recalculate the current state of an aggregate using mm -hmm. history of that aggregate. And that sounds like complexity and, and why would you ever want to do that? Um, and that comes down to the quality of the event stream that we produce. If we, if we were to say uh, we, we store states and we generate events as a side effect, then um, we cannot fully guarantee the correctness of the event stream. There might be a situation where we forgot to emit an event or we emit mm -hmm. an event that we did not uh, replicate correctly in our states. And then we make decisions. Uh, we, we make decisions on another um source of data that we're actually right. emitting so we don't have a mm -hmm. single source of truth anymore right gotcha. our event stream is definitely not the truth it's derived yeah. from the truth now yeah and with event sourcing you 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 basically turn that around and say no the events are now the truth and every decision we make we look mm -hmm. at the events right and uh, and axon uh, axon's goal is to make that as efficient and as easy to to use as possible so any downsides of event sourcing uh we we want to mitigate those and, and make it uh, uh make it easy to to use event sourcing because it yeah. guarantees that the stream of events is like your your single source of truth exactly. uh, but it is important to realize that you know the the aggregate is your your unit of event sourcing mm -hmm. you you event right. source an aggregate not a system mm -hmm. it is the right. uh, yeah. So then um, I'm actually glad that you brought up Axon because I do want to talk about um, Axon framework and the server because um, I know that the framework itself has annotation that actually helps with the aggregate. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that, especially about the aggregate room? Because I had the aha moment a little while ago that we were talking about it. So can you go through the annotation a little bit? Yeah, so um, so in Axon, you will... Uh... Uh, you can you can mark uh, a certain object as an as an aggregate root, uh, or you can uh, um, and and um, and it may have a number of entities within it, right? Just according mm -hmm. to the definition of DDD, you can have a group of entities. Right. One is the one is the roots, and then um, when you when you event source an aggregate, what you need to do mm -hmm. is you need to to separate the logic into two parts. Uh, one right. is the uh, part where you define the logic that mm -hmm. when a command comes in, what are the decisions you need to make? What is the uh, what are the options? Right. So somebody right. wants to uh, to buy five seats. Well, you need to check: mm -hmm. do we have five seats altogether uh, connected, or are there no children involved? In that case, you might go around the corner and say, "Okay, we put one seat in the row behind them." Right. All of these rules, we can, we can check them at that point, and then we decide. We, then we make decisions, mm -hmm. and we make decisions uh, by applying events. Right. Now, when you apply an event, that means that uh, you you've made this decision, right? We're we're assigning seats one through five to this mm -hmm. group, right, for this right. Uh, this transaction. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. um, that's the decision you make. But that decision, of course, has influence on the next decision that's coming in. So we need to update exactly. some state somewhere to mark seats one through five as something changed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. uh, as as they're now booked, right? Yeah. They're claimed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and in Axon, you can annotate your um, your uh, some methods with at event sourcing handlers. And those mm -hmm. are the methods that get invoked with, with past, uh, past events. Yes. So any past decisions, whether it was this half a nanosecond ago or whether it was five days ago, that doesn't matter. So mm -hmm. it allows you to reconstruct the current state and Axon will invoke all of these methods using the past, uh, past history. So you can very quickly recalculate the current state of, uh, of an aggregate. Mm -hmm. um, and that really helps you because the you don't have to reason about the entire history. You can reason yeah. about the current state just now, mm -hmm. but it's been built up of, of history. And uh, that way, the history and the decisions you have are always consistent. Right. So exactly. you will never see a situation where you've booked seats number one twice. And, uh, and I get a lot of angry customers coming at you. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, there is one more thing I wanted to uh, talk to you about, uh, going back to the Blue Book. Uh, there was one area where he's talking about uh, the aggregate boundaries and the transactions and distribution. So um, he mentions that within an aggregate boundary, apply consistency rules synchronously and across boundaries, handle updates asynchronously. Uh, keep an aggregate together on, the, on one server and allow different aggregates to be uh, distributed among nodes. Can you tell me a little bit, because you uh, you and I talked about uh, Axon Server and how it actually um, works beautifully and magically with the framework to actually get this done. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so so if we uh, so let's start with the with the definition, right? So why would you yeah. want to keep the, the aggregate in one place? Well, that comes mm -hmm. down to consistency. Consistency in distributed systems is extremely hard, right? There's a cap mm -hmm. theorem, so you have consistency, availability, and partition tolerance. Well, if you have a distributed system, then you need the partition tolerance. Right. Um, so then you have a choice between consistency and availability. Mm -hmm. So we want consistency. That means availability is at risk. If something happens, we just become unavailable. Well, we don't want right. that. So uh, an aggregate um, will, will run on a single node so that there's no network partition. We don't need partition tolerance, so we can have the, uh, the consistency. Right. But of course, if that one node where an aggregate runs, what happens if that node goes down or, or mm -hmm. something happens? Um, mm -hmm. If you have a distributed system, then how do you make sure that the aggregate lives in one place without keeping some administration of which uh, aggregate lives where? Mm -hmm. And and that's where uh, Axon Server comes in. And Axon Server mm -hmm. allows you to uh, to consistently route messages. So when you send two commands, to the same uh, aggregate. So let's say two mm -hmm. orders come in for the same block, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the way you execute the first order, uh, the first command, the first, uh, I, I'm, I'm overloading the term order here. Um, <laughs> the first, uh, first request, <laughs> the first request right. will influence exactly. the outcome of the second one. So one thing sure. you definitely don't want is those to be distributed to random different destinations Exactly. And then to, to have conflicting decisions in these two places. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no way to 100% uh, prevent that. So Axon Framework already has mechanisms to, uh, to, to, uh, to detect those, uh, those conflicting modifications, and it will reject mm -hmm. the second one and, 
uh, have you automatically retry it. Mm -hmm. But Actual Server will prevent that from happening because it will know that you're, you're sending two messages for the same block. So we're routing it to the same machine. And Actual Server uses a concept of uh, consistent hashing for that, meaning that if you have two, um, two commands with the same destination, it will uh, it will use a, a hashing algorithm to choose a destination based on that value. So there's no uh, ledger to keep track of which, mm -hmm. which commands to send where. It's a very simple yeah. calculation, and they get routed to the same destination. And that allows Axon Framework to then optimize and say, okay, there's two commands for the same aggregate. We'll load it once, we'll execute the first command, and then on the results or on the state that basically the yeah. first command left, we're going to execute the second one. And that way you have this full consistency. You still have the uh, the scalability and the, the possibility of distribution and, uh, and all the, the horizontal scalability that it gives you. Mm -hmm. But we still also have the, uh, the consistent rule, uh, the consistency uh, guarantees that we need on, on the aggregate level. I see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Fantastic. <laughs> that, makes, that makes it a lot more clear for me uh, in terms of aggregates, because that was one of the big things for uh, me when I first started talking about the um, aggregate um, with you, that there were some really unclear points. So thank you for clarifying all of that. Um, any additional items that you'd like to mention? Um, yeah, there's there's one one thing that's really important. So I said an aggregate yeah. is a very important building block in, in a command model. And I want to stress mm -hmm. the fact that it is not the only building block, right? There's right. A, a model uh, is a command model is typically more than an aggregate. And especially with event sourcing, there's some challenges uh, around uh, usually set validation is one that comes up, right? How do you guarantee that when we have a couple of uh, of aggregates, how can we guarantee a certain set of information is consistent across these aggregates? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that cannot be solved within an aggregate by definition because you're going mm -hmm. across boundaries. So we need different elements. And I will not go too much in, in, into depth about those, but there's definitely more than just aggregates to, to design with. There's a whole, uh, I mean, uh, the book by, by Evans uh, describes a number of building blocks you can use and simply exactly. because you're doing CQRS doesn't mean you only need aggregates. There's these other exactly. blocks that are they're really useful. There's a lot more going on, yeah. There's a lot of different shapes of tricks in Lego, <laughs> exactly. and we all need them, right? <laughs> you don't just need the square ones. You'll need... Oh, don't worry. I'll go into them and dissect each one of them. So. All right. <laughs> I will come back good. to you on that. Now, um, just to kind of... Um, I have an additional question. Within an application, going back to aggregates, of course, there are a number of things involved outside of an aggregate. Are there any limits on how many aggregates you could have in an application? Does that make any difference? No, I mean, there, you don't yeah. have like a million of them. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you do. <laughs> it's um, well. The the thing I always look at is not so much the 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 number, or not just the number of them, but I look at typically how how active are they, how. Um, uh, how how much interaction is there on aggregates, and do they really need to be? Um, I'm I'm looking for these boundaries, right? You want to explore. Um, you definitely don't want that, want one aggregate, right? The the right. one system aggregate is something we jokingly use when when somebody says, "I want full consistency in my system." Well, that's great. You'll have one aggregate. One. That's it's yeah. called system. Um, that's not doable. 
But you definitely don't want to go the other way either and say, okay, every little aspect is my aggregate because then there's a lot of coordination between uh, components and you might just have too much eventual consistency. Sure. Uh, so you want to find the balance and there's a number of uh, heuristics that you can use to, to find that balance. The most important one is obviously these um, uh, expectations around uh, um, invariance. So things mm -hmm. that you will always want to be true, things you do, you do not want to be able to observe from the outside. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's also hints like uh, what is the, the concurrency on, on an aggregate? So uh, one example, uh, briefly, is I, uh, I'd wor I've worked on a, a gaming platform. And you had uh, the concept of a tournament and then individual games within that tournament. Now, the game was played by four people. And it would last for, for 10 minutes. And there's a lot of activity within that game with four people. Mm -hmm. um, but a tournament is 10,000 people. So you'll have two and a half thousand games concurrently. Now, if you would say an aggregate is a, uh, sorry, the tournament is an aggregate, and then we have games as entities within that aggregate, it means you'll have 10,000 people being very active on a single tournament. Exactly. Right? Keeping that consistency is going to be a challenge to make that performance, right? Exactly. So uh, what we did instead is say, well, the, in, on the tournament, there's not much interaction, right? There's mm -hmm. somebody joins the tournament and there's a, there's a few rounds going on, right? There's a bit of calculation who plays which games. Mm -hmm. And then we have the game as, an, as a separate aggregate because it is short-lived, but it's also very, inter very uh, interactive, interactive, but with only four people each. Mm -hmm. So we can mm -hmm. sp spread that and we can have much better uh, performance characteristics in our system. And there is no strong consistency requirement between, between the game and the tournament, except for the outcome right. of a game, right? Um, exactly. but nothing in, in the middle. And, and those are important aspects to, to look at when you, uh, when you design. And that is a very important uh, indicator as well of how many you end up with in the end. Exactly. And that comes back into the modeling aspect of it, right? When Absolutely. you model, you have to just be conscious about these uh, decisions. And uh, just really briefly, I, know I, I keep having questions come up. You mentioned how active an aggregate is. When an aggregate becomes inactive or irrelevant, how do you get rid of it? Do you get rid of it? Yeah, so um, with, with event sourcing, there's actually no difference because it just means no mm -hmm. events happen anymore and the, the past is still the past. Uh, yeah. If you do state storage, then uh, then you'll have the uh, the everlasting discussions on do you delete it or do you flag it as, it as deleted. Uh, a lot of people say delete doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. Not because delete basically erases all history, right? It's it's, right. Exactly. it's gone. Uh, and with event sourcing, it's not even an option. Uh, mm -hmm. But with state storage, well, you can just delete an order and pretend it never existed, which is probably right. not what you uh, what you want. So in that case, you just leave it be, basically. Yeah, you can leave it <laughs> yeah. be, except that if you if you do use state storage, you're probably storing that in a relational database. And if you use a relational database, then they slow down as you insert more data. Exactly. So even with uh, state stored aggregates, you might find yourself just cleaning up because of uh, the need to to keep to keep things fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and with event sourcing, we mitigated that problem in uh, in Axon Server, designing for you know, for, for larger numbers of events without slowing down. Um, so with event sourcing, you don't really have the concept of delete. You right. can uh, you can you can make a, an aggregate. You can get an aggregate into a state where it will reject any change from then on. Mm, right? So if a if a customer uh, was uh, 
right? If a shipment was delivered and, and over with, well, you, there's nothing else you can do on that shipment, right? It's just over, it's delivered, it's final, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. It's never deleted. So in that case, delete doesn't even exist. Yeah. And what do you do if you don't want uh, anyone from the outside to have access to that aggregate route? So you want an aggregate, for instance, to quote unquote, be inactive or not usable per se. Yeah, so in, in the framework, we, we do have a flag that allows you to mark an aggregate that's deleted, even when event mm-hmm. sourcing. Uh, in that case, it will still exist. So as a operations or support engineer or what, whatever, you, you will still have access to the data. It's still there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as soon as the system tries to interact with it, Axon will pretend it doesn't exist. They will just say, "Hey, the uh, the aggregate is uh, well. Actually, we we um, the uh, the repository will normally throw a not found, but we um, we have a more specialized um, exception that says it has been deleted, which is the okay. same as not found. But we just right. give you more information. Like we well, we did find it, but we're not supposed to tell but you. You can't access. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot yeah. do yeah. anything. Basically, you can't touch it. <laughs> no touching." <laughs> And, and no the nice thing is if you ever decide to, oh, yeah, but that event isn't as final as we thought, the only mm-hmm. thing you need to do is change the logic of what these events mean to the aggregate and say, well, that doesn't mean it ended. And you can move the, the end logic somewhere else. And then from then on, you can load it in the aggregate. Okay. So that's a way to uh, to actually undelete it, right? And reuse it again. Exactly. Or at least reuse parts of it, you know, whatever yeah. you need. Yeah. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, fantastic. Um before I come up with another question, <laughs> that's a good we place could go to wrap. Go for hours, I guess. Yeah. I know, right? I know this. This was really, really great information. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Alaric. You're welcome. We'll Thanks back for having more me. Questions at another time. Yeah, for sure. All right. Have Sounds a great, great rest of the day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this talk with Alaric. Please join me next time as I discover more about event handling and query handling. Until then. Have a great time and happy coding.